0: VOX 1460 WVOX
1: Jim Massano on College Hoops Chat. How are you doing tonight? Hope you're doing fine. I'm doing fine. Happy to be here in the studio. This is our weekly radio show, it goes from 8 to 9 every Monday night. It's called College Hoops Chat. And I have a lot of fun uh, being here with all of you every week. So uh, we have no guest tonight. Normally we have a guest, we don't have one tonight. uh, But We're going to have an open line show. So we got Kenny from Rye calling about 815. And for the whole second half of the show from 830 to 9, it's an open line show. So please, if you ever wanted to call in tonight's your night from 830 to 9, number is 914-636-0110. That's 914-636-0110. Write that down and call us up. All right, so there's a lot going on in college basketball. I'll start with issue number one, and that is the coronavirus is still a problem. I mean, I don't think that's a big news flash. We all know that. Uh, but what I'm noticing is a debate for the first time this weekend that there are some teams in America saying they don't want to go to their conference tournament. So uh, I think most of you know this, but I'll do a quick explanation. At the end of the regular season, every conference in America has a conference tournament. Uh, and the winner of the tournament goes automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Um, that's how it works. Some schools are saying, why are we having a conference tournament right before the NCAA tournament? Because it increases the chance of uh, one of the kids, or one of the staff, or one of the coaches of getting COVID that could lead to a shutdown, uh, and then the team can't play in the NCAA tournament. So they're saying, maybe we just... Uh, finish up the season in the regular season, and then announce the teams for the NCAA tournament. Other teams are saying, whoa, 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 wait a second. Um, Some teams need the conference tournament to get more games played uh, and to show the committee that picks the teams for the NCAA tournament uh, that they are uh, worthy to be picked as an at-large team if they don't win their conference, right? That's how it all works. So that's an interesting debate. And you know what's prompting this debate Michigan, University of Michigan Wolverines. I don't know if you saw what happened, but not only did the basketball team get shut down at Michigan, okay? The entire athletic program got shut down at Michigan. So they shut down the entire athletic department. uh, So they're not playing any sports right now. And what caused that? That new strain of coronavirus uh, you know, it was in England and there's another thing going on in South Africa. There's different strains of it that are hitting America. One of those hit Michigan. Uh, and it's apparently spreads much quicker and a lot more people got it. So that's kind of crazy. And, um, I think, uh, uh, it's a scary time right now because, uh, there are teams that, um, like I'll give an example, St. Bonaventure, the team I root for. My original school, college I went to. I love the place. They uh, lost most of their non-conference schedule at the beginning of the year. Um, So they don't have a lot of games to begin with. They're only going to play other teams, I think, except for one game. They're going to play only teams in the Atlantic 10 Conference. Um, They need that conference tournament to get some more quality wins against the best teams in the Atlantic 10 another time. Uh, Maybe maybe if they, you know, they, they... win the semifinals and make it to the finals. Even if they don't get the automatic bid by winning the finals, they did so well to get to the finals. That helps them get into the NCAA tournament. So that's a very interesting uh, debate that's going on. And, um, I think that, um, we'll see how it plays out. So keep an eye on that. All right. So let's turn home for a second. All right. Cause I, I don't know what's going on in the bigger issue wow. of college basketball, but, um, When do the Iona Gales play again? Hometown Neuroshelians. Right down the street, Iona College Gales. um, A great school. uh, Excellent basketball program over the years. Going back to Jim Valvano, through Pat Kennedy, uh, Tim Cluse, Jeff Ruland. A lot of great coaches. A lot of great teams. They haven't played since the end of December. So I got the new updated schedule. I think it was released today. Iona is going to get back on the court finally. On Wednesday, February 3rd, that's next week, next week they get back on, um, it's uh, against Manhattan. So they're going to get a home game on February 3rd against their rival, Manhattan. Finally, that's going to be the first Iona game. That means they were shut down for over 40 days. 40-day shutdown. Um, And then the following weekend, that'll be Friday and Saturday, February 5th and 6th, they're going to go up and play a Marist the Poughkeepsie area. So... Uh, There you go. Uh, Iona does get back on the court. One other Iona scoop that we have not talked about, I was hoping to talk about how good the guy played in the game, but I don't know if you heard this story, but Iona has a new player and a very highly regarded player. One of their best recruits for next year. Okay, this kid was their best recruit. He was going to graduate in 2021 and play 2021-2022 for Iona. Uh, His name is Trey James. He's a six 6'10", 240-pound forward. He's one of the best players in the state of Kentucky as a senior. He had enough credits to graduate. So since this year doesn't count for eligibility, uh, it's a throwaway season, so you get a free year. He decided to graduate in December, and he's going to play for Iona when he comes back. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it's tough to come in the middle of a season with a team. But uh, this is a guy that averages 14.6 a game, uh, points a game, 11.1 rebounds a game, and he broke the state's career blocks record while leading his high school to its 15th uh, regional title. So he's a big-time four-star recruit, uh, had a lot of scholarship offers, but he picked Iona and Rick Pitino. He's going to be on the team when they get back on the court February 3rd against Manhattan. And since Osborne Shima, their seven-foot center, has been hurt, they need a big guy. So it'd be very interesting to see in that game uh, if Trey James, Iona's brand-new freshman, six foot ten, kind of a power center, can block shots and rebound, what a great get that is for Iona, and he's going to play when they come back, and they probably need him because also uh, one of their other uh, centers got hurt earlier in the year. So they're missing two of their big men, uh, which is probably why they, they convinced this young man, Trey James, to come now and join the team. He may just make a difference for Iona. We'll see, but we haven't seen Poor Iona play in a while. Okay, Um, so we got Kenny from Rye calling in a couple of minutes. Um, So we talked about the Michigan situation, which is ringing a lot of bells. A lot of people are talking about Duke and Kentucky not being NCAA tournament teams. I I don't think they are. Uh, Right now, they are not. I do not think they are good enough right now to make the NCAA tournament. Imagine saying that in the same year. No Duke and no Kentucky. Now, the other two teams they're saying having down years are Kentucky, I'm sorry, uh, Kansas and North Carolina. I think the jury's out on those two teams. I mean, I've seen Kansas play multiple times this year. They're very good. They have talent. Uh, They have a good record. They were just ranked in the top 25 recently. So I I do think that um, Kansas will still be an NCAA tournament team. But the North Carolina Tar Heels, uh, they got a nice uh, win this past weekend. They're playing better. I'll tell you what's going on with north carolina they have They have two starting guards who are both freshmen uh, actually the truth the most the playing time for their guards it's one, two, and three are all freshmen. You know how hard it is to play in the a c c with all freshmen that didn't have enough practice time to get the season started i I watch a lot of North Carolina games, and I will tell you that team's playing really well, much, much better now than in December. so if they keep improving uh if their freshmen keep getting better. I could see uh, the North Carolina Toriel still being an NCAA tournament team. Uh, I don't see it for Kentucky and Duke. I don't even think either team is that good. Uh, They are uh, really not in a good place, Kentucky and Duke, particularly Kentucky. And I don't think uh, they make the NCAA uh, tournament. All right, so uh, one team that's playing very good, who I root for very well, I'm supposed to say, very well, is the St. John's Red Storm uh two really nice wins for St. John's uh over uh the last week. Uh, they played Utah Valley um this past Saturday. Who's a pretty good team, you know. They threw the game together in about uh 2 days um and they uh they they had to travel the Utah Valley team that was tough across the country. Uh but they came they 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 played hard but uh the uh Red Storm the Johnnies Played really well. And I'll tell you what I liked about the game. Their freshman, point guard, Posh Alexander, played amazing in both games. Uh and uh, he's really good. The other the, the prior game was beating UConn. So uh they beat UConn, they beat um uh they beat Baylor also. Uh they, they had a nice win this weekend. All of a sudden St. John's starting to get some wins. You can see their offense is flowing better. Their defense is particularly better right now. Keep an eye on St. John's. You know, if they get on a little run to close out the season, they can still be an NCAA tournament team, uh, the St. John's Red Storm. So uh, that's a team I would definitely take a look at. All right, what else do we have to chat about until we get a call from Kenny uh, from Rye? Um, he's on the line. All right, Kenny, are you there? I am, James. How are we doing? How are you doing today? What's... What are your thoughts about the college basketball scene well i thought I thought it was interesting
2: um, you uh, we put it, we discussed an article that's been out there a little bit on the mid majors and going to go, going back to your point of uh where some teams are talking about championship, this is you know, incredibly impactful for them uh because the fact this is as is everybody knows so much for, of them getting into the <clears throat> the NCA sixty four or sixty six whatever it is now. Is the fact is, it's out of conference wins against big teams, and then it's winning their conference championship. You know, case in point, the MAC conference. I don't know if they'll even get to the championships. They need to do that, but we have a lot of other mid-majors that are you know playing very very well this year. And and I think it goes to the point as we've talked about the fact that they have people that stick around. They have a lot of juniors and seniors on their roster, and so that the article that we we discussed was really interesting because it ranked some teams that we've talked about. St. Louis, you know, obviously they count Gonzaga as a mid-major. I don't know why. They got St. Louis at 2, Boise State at 3, BYU. The Bonnie's at 5 or 8-1. and They got Loyola up there, which is, you know, really the gist of the article, playing very, very well, beating teams. handily. a team that was kind of a Cinderella a few years back. Utah State, Western Kentucky, that's always there, and Belmont. And then your favorite early on in the year, rounding out the number 10, is SDSU, San Diego State. So these are all really good teams. The question is, how do they get into the conference?
1: I agree. It's uh, These teams need to play games. And the other thing that's happening is with this virus spreading around and getting uh, more uh, different strains of it coming out that are more severe, uh, you know, I think you're going to see a lot more shutdowns in the month of February.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that's become an enormous problem. I mean, in your case in point with Michigan, I think a lot of the MAC teams, since many of them aren't residential colleges, have had a lot of problems. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I owned a Um <clears throat> So does, does it become more of a problem? Does it become kind of flat where it is? I mean, John, John Rothsteins has mentioned that basically between 90 and 90% and 95% of the teams are playing. And so if that's the case, <clears throat> there may be an argument around not having the teams all travel to one place for that conference, conference championship. And going back to what you and I have talked about, which has been mentioned by a lot of people, just go straight to the net ratings that the NCAA uses and
1: just go down to 64 or 66. And I agree. them that, from there. That may happen. It may happen. And then you have this other issue where teams have to play so many games to get into the tournament. Um, I, and I think it was originally like 16. I think it's down to like 13. But, uh, you know, some teams have to get enough games to even be considered to get in.
2: Yeah, I mean, your Bonneys are 8-1, I think, if, if I'm correct. and You know, they play very well. But, I mean, no offense, nine games is not... Is not does not prove out how really good you are. Nine games sometimes is, is, is kind of like you know, the middle of December before the Christmas break. Oh, it's a great so example, it, Ken. It, it, it is difficult to come up with whether, you know, a team that's 13-3 or 15-1 versus an 8-1 team. It's it, it very, very difficult to do that. Well, let me
1: take your point and, and, and kind of give it a twist and kind of agree with you. It, so St. Bonaventure right now is 9-1. and They have the best record in the Atlantic 10. I think they're an NCAA tournament team right now based on what they played. But they don't have enough games. So if, for instance, they get another shutdown for a couple of weeks in the middle of February, they're not going to have enough games. That's a perfect example of what the virus can still do to a program that right now looks like an NCAA tournament team. But at the end of the day, they don't have enough games. Yeah, no, same thing.
2: Same exact same situation with the number two team ranked in this mid-major poll, St. Louis. I mean, they've got about they've played about ten games too. If they get shut down, same situation there. But you look at a Boise State and a BYU that are kind of in the middle there. They play between fourteen and sixteen games, so you know they they have a little bit of a better uh, you know argument for the for the final sixty four just because of the fact that they play games. Because I, I think that that's what we're going to have to look at. So the net rating you know, that has the St. Louis at 12, interesting enough, back in the beginning of January, they only had a handful of games under their belt where they had Boise State at 13, and Boise State has played now 15 games or 14 games. So uh, it's a tough tough one to come up with in who makes this situation. But again, as you say, getting back to it, it may be around staying healthy for the month of February.
1: Absolutely, and and there's a whole bunch of teams that have, like, say, anywhere to 8 to 11 games played and um, have some nice records and some good quality wins. But if they get a shutdown, or like, look at Iona. They had a shutdown on top of a shutdown. So they lost, you know, over 30 days. If that happens to a school, they're not going to the NCAA tournament, regardless of how good their record is.
2: Yeah, and, and someone you can't argue with that. I mean, from a perspective, you can't punish some team that's done the right thing, that's played a lot of games, whether they get up to 20 games or plus. And you're down in the low teens or not, or just double digits. It's not really fair to punish someone who's done the right thing and won the right amount of games. So they're going to have to cut it off at some point in time and realize, okay, well, you know, not everybody's going to be pleased here. But for a team like BYU or a team like Boise State that may get up to 20 games with some very good wins, they may be deserving of it, regardless of the conference championship.
1: Right. Let me just twist this on you, Ken. Uh... What you just described is exactly what they did in football, right? Ohio State only played six games. Uh, Other schools had 10, 11 games, and they still let Ohio State uh, into the Final Four. So, you know, it's a bad precedent for basketball.
2: Yeah, and it almost almost may get down to a little bit more narrowing of the the, uh, net net ratings from a standpoint of really looking at what are their good wins. I mean, what are Bonnie's out-of-conference really good wins? If they don't have any one, and Boise State or BYU does, then, then it has to then it has to come into play.
1: Well, the only twist on that is I only thing I differ with you on that is St. Bonaventure in the Atlantic Ten plays in a tougher conference, so all their games are tougher.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we have a little bit of an East Coast bias. I mean, obviously, I was looking at some of these teams, and uh, you know, Baylor being you know number two in the country, we just don't see a lot of these teams on TV because they're either late night or they're not on the on the channels that we have that are focused on the teams, but. I still think, and again, I was looking at Boise State and BYU in particular because they were three and four, and then because they've played fifteen games plus, they've had some decent wins. I mean, I wouldn't say they're they're you know ACC or Big Ten wins, but they're good wins. And then you know, if you're looking at the Atlantic Ten, those are good wins. They're not great wins. <clears throat> so St. Louis, I think, at the ranking of the net ranking of twelve, is a little bit high considering the amount of games they have played.
1: I agree. Now let's talk it back to Butler. You quickly brought up Butler. Let me let's throw a little Butler. At, uh, Baylor,
2: Baylor, is what Baylor. Go I say to. Butler, Baylor,
1: Baylor. Yep. Um, Baylor has, I think, the best guard in America.
2: Right well, again, and not a not a team that you know we watch too much here in the East Coast. But as you and I talked about, it, we thought it would be worth it to look at them. And I watched them against Kansas, and obviously they've had some great wins against Illinois. Oklahoma, Kansas, and Te- Texas Tech. So those are all great wins. So I think the respect the two has to be has to be real, and not only are they guards, but the team itself seems to be irreplace- seems to be able to replace people off the bench with the same type of energy, the same type of defense that that I've seen. And again, I don't know these players. These aren't players that are recruited typically out of the East Coast or even out of the prep school league. But they have a team that looks full of athletes, and they are an incredible defensive team. And again, with those four excellent wins, I think a number two ranking is well-deserved.
1: Well, the reason I said but it's funny. You know why I said Butler? I meant to say Butler from Baylor. That's what I meant to say. Jared (laughs) Butler, the star guard from Baylor, is one of the best players in America right now, and it's not close. I mean, he's in the top five, and there's no question about it. I've now watched three Baylor games, He is a tremendous college guard. Plays great defense. He can drive the ball. He can shoot three points. He's a smart, heady player. He can pass. I mean, he's a tremendous basketball player. Well, as we all know,
2: college basketball is guard-driven, and I'm suffering through that with uh, Providence College this year. But, you know, in, in, in college basketball, if you get that dominating, mature guard, even at off guard, they change the game because of the fact that that obviously with the three point line, and the fact that it is it is a quarterback driven league in in college basketball, a point guard driven league, so that someone like that can take over and you know they can carry you all the way you know to win. So this ja- person's going to be the one with the ball in his hands at the end of the
1: game, and he is. Jared Butler always has the ball at the end of the game for Baylor, but <laughs> although not that their games are that close, but um, he's a six three junior who could have gone pro. But most of the teams stayed because, if you remember, they were one of the best teams last year. They would have been a top, a top seed in the NCAA tournament. Of course, it got canceled. So they kind of felt like uh, their dream season, their NCAA championship team, got taken away from them. So they, they all came back, Baylor. That's why he's there. He's got 17 points a game, 3.2 rebounds, 5.4 assists, and he's shooting 50% from the field. How do you like those stats, Ken?
2: I mean that that's a credit to the program, um, you know. From a standpoint, Baylor I know is a well-regarded school, and particularly its grad schools. But the coach has got to be patted on the back on that one to sell the team effort to come back and play in a league, in excuse me, in a season where there's a lot of question marks, and you know you're giving up and risking injury. So I, I'll give them credit, and I think as you mentioned, uh, they are well deserved of the number two ranking here. And it goes back to the point of tough games. You look at those four wins they've had versus a Gonzaga, who we love. And they definitely have a great team, but they're blowing te- they're blowing teams out by twenty, thirty points. So that 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 ultimately is going to hurt you when 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 crunch time comes in the last two to three minutes of the game.
1: No question. So uh, I do think that's a problem uh, for Gonzaga that they haven't played a close game maybe all year. And uh, but Baylor has at least played some of these strong uh, Big Twelve teams. Uh, that, you know, it wasn't. They weren't complete blowouts. I mean, uh, Texas Tech, I think they beat by eight points. That's a game. So I do think Baylor will be more ready for the tournament than Gonzaga in a way.
2: Yeah, I mean, exactly. They had good wins early against Illinois. And I wrote down Oklahoma, Kansas. I saw that game. The Texas Tech game, well, close. Texas Tech is ranked anywhere between eight and ten. So you've got, you know, real, real good wins against very, very good teams, and that will continue. They'll play Kansas again, hopefully, you know, if there's no problem. And so that toughness, you build, you build the calluses throughout the year. And, again, what are you going to do at the, at the end of the game when there's two or three minutes left? And if you've got a guard like Butler, then it
1: matters. Right, I agree. And, all right, uh, Ken, quickly, for the final 30 seconds, where are we at with Providence? Well, you know, I can't figure the
2: Big East out except for Villanova. I mean, Villanova takes a month off, and they still look as good as ever. So that, that was really – Providence had a, a difficult day at Villanova against Villanova. It did not look very good. And then and then the game before, they had an excellent win against Creighton. So <clears throat> we had a point guard that came out of nowhere as a freshman who uh, should have been, and I, I believe he's correct, Cooley's having a fit on the back. He should have been freshman of the week. He had a great, great game. But they've got to get the ball out of David Duke's hand. He is not a point guard. He is a off-guard who does not quarterback the team as well. He looks for too much of the ball. He looks for one pass, and then if he does not pass there, he dribbles it around and shoots it. So the ball gets stuck in his hand a little bit. So it's tough. I can't figure out the middle of the Big East. Creighton looked great in the beginning of the year. They lost to Providence. They've had a couple of tough losses across the board. Butler and Marquette are there. St. John's had a decent win against UConn. UConn lost their top player. And Book is going to be out for a while. So they're settling into kind of a Villanova and then everybody else. And I that's, agree. That's and, problem. Uh,
1: how about St. John's? They won three of their last four, Ken.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I said that was a great win over UConn. You it, know, was. Regardless it was a nice win. All right, Kenny, thanks for all this great one.
1: information. Have a great week, Ken. James, thank you very much. Have a good one. All right, right, folks, we're going to the commercial break, and we come back. Open line, call us, 914-636-0110.
0: Westchester's favorite morning show.
1: I love the morning show.
0: Good morning, Westchester, with Dennis and Tommy. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on
1: 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. Basketball. Okay, folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat on WVOX, 1460 AM. We're going to have an open line show for the entire second half of the show. Number here is 914-636-0110. And I'm happy to say we have my friend Mitch from Pittsburgh. By the way, high school classmate at the Great Iona Prep in the north end of New Rochelle. Hello, Mitch from Pittsburgh. Hey, Jimmy, how you doing? How you doing? Thanks for the call. No, no problem. Well, I
3: I was listening in, and you guys were talking a lot about uh, your school, St. Bonnie's there. So I thought I'd chime in. Uh, obviously, I think you know I'm a classmate of uh, Mark Schmidt. Your coach has done a great job up there. He's
1: it's, it's and, tremendous. He's such a good coach. You know, I have to tell you, you know, I pretty mu- I watch every game that's televised. Sometimes even watch these games on ESPN Plus that are streamed. But the one thing you do see is that he, his team is usually more prepared than every team they play. Yeah. And I mean he was a sharp shooter
3: as a player. Unfortunately he played a little before his time because he was a six two guard that could shoot the lights up, but there was no three pointer back then. Right. And he was playing in the Big East with Bagley and Michael Adams and uh Roger McCready. You know, his senior year was the year when Ewing was at Georgetown, Pickney and the team won the national championship of Villanova, Mullen was at Saint John's. Uh, you know, just a the Big East was at its all time high there, so he probably Stopped. didn't have as much playing time as he would have in today's game with the three-pointer being so big.
1: That's a great point. Um, So, for instance, I'm watching the game uh, Saturday night against Duquesne, actually in your hometown, and uh, that's the one thing that I was struck by, that in crunch time, uh, his team made smarter plays. You could just tell they were, uh, frankly, more prepared for crunch time than Duquesne was. Uh, It was a close game. It was a rugged game. What we're seeing, I don't know if you've noticed this, Mitch, but I'm certainly seeing it. Since so many schools are playing each other close together, like back-to-back games, um, the second game is really hard for the team that already won the first game because it's easy for the team to prepare for the second game that lost. So even if you blow somebody out in the first game, the second game turns out real close. They killed Duquesne a week before at, at Bonaventure. They had a tough game on Saturday, but Mark Schmidt's team made a bunch of smart plays down the stretch and they ended up winning the game. Well, yeah, he's
3: obviously a great ex guy, but I think even more important is uh, the way he's been able to recruit to Olean. Um, as you know, it's uh, a nice little college town, but it's out in the middle of upstate New York. Yep. And to bring all the kids, and I was looking at his roster, and, you know, traditionally he's gone across the border to Toronto and to, into Canada, but now he's going across the country into California and uh, into the city, and uh, he hasn't had to go that much international because he's, he's built up that reputation.
1: He did. You know, you know he's also every year. Grabs one or two guys uh, in the top 25 Juco players as well.
3: Yeah, so I think the interesting thing is going to be this year, Jim. So, um, you know, my alma mater is having trouble, I think, last year. COVID uh, saved Jim Christensen. Obviously don't want to see anyone get fired, but I think uh, Jim's in the seventh year up there, 3-10. and 10. And, you know, Mark's name is going to get put out there. Um, it's interesting, in the college basketball world, at 57, people are saying, oh, he's too old. But you have Beheim at, at 74
1: at Syracuse. He's definitely uh, too old, so, Mitch. You can't have him at BC. Too old. Can't have him. Right,
3: right. But, I mean, he's an alum. The last guy we got from uh, St. Bonnie's, Jim O'Brien, had a great run at BC.
1: He sure and did. So,
3: uh, he right? sure did. And so, if you go mid-major, he's definitely got to be high on that list and be, um, you know, at least get an interview and be considered. You know, you potentially BC needs to go with a bigger name. I don't know if they'll pay a name. I mean, look what uh, Iona did with uh, Rick you know, And, uh, you know, you just talked about James coming at 6'10. A four-star kid coming to Iona, which is just outstanding, right? So you know, is VC going to pay the bigger name to come in and take it over? Historically, they've gone to the MAC and to uh, Atlantic Ten and some of the uh, smaller, you know, the uh, non-power, the mid-major conferences to pick up that player. And you know, Schmidty's got to be in that conversation. But uh, again, he's been at St. Bonnie's for what, ten years now, so yeah. he's
1: and he was offered a job, job, I hear, and he turned it down.
3: Yeah, I, I know he's. Um, I know he's uh, he's got a lake house up there, and he really loves the area. I know a few uh, the, some of the owners of the big steakhouses just love to play golf with them, and he's just a great guy and uh, uh, likes the community and love him in the community. So it's going to be interesting to see. So what's and, your prediction? Oh, you
1: know, I, I think Christian's going to get fired. Uh, from what I can hear yeah, and see, he's. Gonna... I mean, the only thing that saves him is COVID. You
3: know, they're shut down again. They, the last game they uh, played was uh, ten days ago, and their next two games are shut down. So if anything saves them again, it'd be COVID.
1: So I watched, Um, as you know, because we texted that day, I watched the St. John's BC game uh, earlier in the season. And I have to tell you, I don't want to beat up on the BC coach, but it was a bizarre coaching job by your coach at BC. Mitch went to BC, folks. I think you picked that up by now. Um, Right. uh, And the reason it was bizarre is that uh, St. John's plays that Nolan Richardson, you know, 40 minutes of hell, they want to play fast. Uh, they want to shake you up on defense, pressure the ball, pressure defense. They want to, you know, get steals and get missed shots and go out and break it, do a breakout and a, a fast break. For some reason, BC decided to play with them in that style, yeah. and it didn't make any sense. Right. Did you see well, that game? That's the thing. I mean, Christensen came in with, um, you know, a big reputation
3: from Ohio, you know, again, a uh, of uh, Mac conference team, and that he took the NCA's a couple times. Uh, he's from, uh, he played for URI. So again, so uh, he had the X and O's. It just hasn't panned out. And yeah, I'd like to see some more emotion from him on the bench. Yeah, and, you know, even getting a PO here or there, just uh, just to get things going. But uh, I, yeah, I think my prediction is I think this is his last year, and it's going to be interesting because you're going to have um, there's already people talking about Mark, and I think on the other end people talking about hey, we need a bigger name. Right, uh, right. But the, the school historically hasn't done that in basketball. They've, they haven't gone out and paid that bigger name, especially in basketball. All right, Mitch, we, ha, we have
1: a uh, we have another caller, but I will tell you, I'm just your friend from high school, but I'm coaching BC, and I'm down by like 15 because the pace is too fast. I'm calling a timeout and telling my team to play half-court offense, just so you know. <laughs> okay. Have a good night. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yep. All right, we have another caller. Good evening. Hello, hello, hello. Do we have our call there?
0: Hey, how you doing?
1: Uh, who's calling?
0: Vin Johnny.
1: Hey, Vin, superstar fan from Twitter what? of St. John's Red Storm. Vin, how are you? What's,
0: what's going on?
1: How's everything going? So you got to be happy. St. John's has won three out of four. Big game this Wednesday against the I'm feeling better about the Johnnies. How about you?
0: Look, three or four is one thing, but they're just playing better, Jim. They're just the system. I think is gelling gelling sooner than it did last year, and I think that's the most optimistic part. Is three to four is great. UConn on the road is great. You know, getting Big East wins is great, but they just on you know the eye test, they just look better.
1: No question. I I thought. Now I understand this is Utah Valley from a Western Conference that we don't know much about, but I think they they had some players. I thought that was a complete victory on Saturday night. The whole team played well.
0: Absolutely, and you got help. You know, um, you got your bench out there. You got some more extended minutes from the bench. You got to play up and down. Uh, you know, obviously, Utah Valley had some some big boys, so you had to also, you know, maintain the middle, even though, like, you know, the athleticism wasn't, of, like, the big caliber, but you still had to deal with some, some big boys. That uh, like kid, Cole, was a Georgia Tech transfer, so he had a high major experience. And, obviously, the other guy um, uh, was, like, a leading rebounder in the NCAA, so, like, even though, you know, they weren't tested, I would say, but, like, they had that they could tune up with a team that could shoot and a team that had size, so I thought it was good to keep the momentum going.
1: And we're seeing with St. John's in the last four games, uh, they now have their two go-to players, right? Posh Alexander uh, and Julian Champagne. They've got two real two players playing at a very high level right now. We didn't earlier in the season. Posh was a freshman; he was feeling his way. Champagne was great, uh, but you, you, you're going to have to have some players playing at a very high level. And we have two right now at St. John's. I just noticed Posh Alexander was named Big East Freshman of the Week. He had two great games.
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, he has a bulldog mentality. He's getting more comfortable, you know, taking a shot. I think the last three or four games, he was, uh, you know, it was something around 40% from three. You know, know, field goals inside, outside. So he's getting that dual threat. You know, they were leaving him alone, letting him take his three. Now, uh, you know, we saw we did a UConn saw a little bit in um Utah Valley, you saw it in the Marquette game. Uh, you know, the Marquette game, you know, came down to the wire, but like that second half, if they play like they did in that second half, you know, that kind of defense, you know, they're gonna be tough out tough out.
1: I agree. All right, Vince. Good luck on when we have another call. Good luck on Wednesday night versus DePaul. I'll be watching, you'll be watching. I'll talk to you on Twitter.
0: Thanks, Jim. Talk to you.
1: Thanks so much, Vin. All right, we have another caller. Let's go to the next caller. Good evening. Hey, Jim, Peter from Bedford, how are you? Hey, Peter from Bedford, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Thanks hey, for the call. I just want
4: to um, follow up on the previous conversation. I haven't seen um, at the, the, the point guard at St. John's Alexander play much this year. I just want to get your view of what type of a point guard is he. A, is, he is he a distributor, push point guard, uh, shooting scoring type point guard, how's his defense? I just, like I said, I haven't seen him. I just want to uh, understand his overall game.
1: So that is unbelievable that you just asked that question because when they told me I had another call – Uh, I said goodbye to my friend Vin, but what I was about to say to him, it literally answers your question. How about that? Uh, Perfect timing. Yeah, it's unbelievable, right? Um, I was thinking that Posh Alexander looks like a Big East guard from the 1980s because he's a New York City bulldog. You know, he's definitely uh, a guy who sets up the offense, he brings the ball down the floor. You know, he he starts the offense out with the first pass, he could do a, a fast break. But, what, but that's all great, but a lot of point guards are that. What I like about him, he's a tough, hard-nosed, New York City uh, point guard, diving for the loose balls, you know, uh, throwing his body in harm's way, uh, trying to make a, a, a shot, um, playing hard-nosed defense, getting steals. He's really fun to watch.
4: And he's a scorer, too, right? I sure. Mean, like yeah, yeah. He, he scored could, a lot this week. He could
1: score 18 to 20 points in a game. See, he had a great week. It just, uh, you know, show, like any freshman, you know, they, they play a lot better in the second half than the first half season, especially this year when they didn't have any summer or, or September basketball. No, Pasha Alexander is a keeper. Uh, he was a four-star player when he was a sophomore, but he blew out his knee junior year. So when he came back, he was less of a recruit because he had missed junior year. St. John's uh, hung in there with him, and it was a great decision because he'll be, a, I think, a three-, four-year guard at St. John's, and he's going to be a player they can build around.
4: I think it's terrific, I mean, yeah, especially if, if he's only a freshman. Yes,
1: yeah, great stuff. Uh, so who do you root for, Peter?
4: Uh, Providence College.
1: Oh, Providence. So uh, how you feeling? Like, Kenny, Kenny from Rice, a little frustrated. How you feeling?
4: Yeah, I mean, big win at Creighton. Good first half against Villanova. Bad, bad second half. I think uh, I, I, uh, they don't defend as well as they have in the past. Um, they score inconsistently. Their offense seems stagnant at times. They have two great players. They just need they need a consistent third scorer, though.
1: They do, and I guess they got to show up the point guard position, right? Which seems to be a problem for a couple years now.
4: Correct. Correct. Their um, transfer point guard from St. Joe's strained his groin, and it's a, it's a tough injury to come back from.
1: All right, Peter, thank you so be much well. for the thank call. You. Call again, okay? I will. Thanks so much. All right, folks, we're going to our final commercial break, then we're coming back for the final segment of the show. You can call us now at 914-636-0110 to be on for the second half, for this final segment of the show. This is College Hoops Chat. I'm Jim Massano We'll be right back.
0: your mornings with radio's favorite morning team dennis and tawny and good morning westchester weekday mornings from six to nine right here on
1: 1460 wvox
0: 1460 wvox they're playing basketball we love that basketball.
1: Okay, folks, we're back on College Hoops Chat. I'm Jim Maysano. This is WVOX 1460 AM, and I'm thrilled to tell you we have two callers holding on this open line show at 914-636-0110. Let's go to the phone line. Hello there. Let's go, Buckeyes. This is Roland from the Rochelle. (laughs) How'd you guess? Uh, I know your voice, Roland from the Rochelle. (laughs) How about them bucks? So they're hot. Taking on Wisconsin. Um, what an upset. I just saw your coach get interviewed uh, this weekend, and what he was th- so thrilled with was that despite all the setbacks, uh, despite the coronavirus, uh, he's so happy that his team is playing better. That's the one thing, a, you know, one thing you, you, a coach wants to see is the players are responding to the coaching, and they are. And so here is um, Ohio State. I'm looking at my phone as we speak, Roland. Uh, they beat Wisconsin. Uh, top 10 team in the nation, 74-62. But even before that, you know they beat Rutgers, who's very good. They beat Northwestern. They beat Illinois. All three of those are potential NCAA teams. At least they play at that level. They lost to Purdue, but they won four out of five. It's a nice run for Ohio State.
5: They're, it's a great run, and this was a big upset. They were
1: 15th. Wisconsin was 10 going into the game. How does that affect their ranking? They're moving up. I think there's no question that if you take a look at um, the Big Ten right now, people are viewing Ohio State as a dangerous team in February.
5: Right. And you mentioned Michigan earlier. What a bunch of sissies.
1: Uh Uh Uh-oh.
5: (laughs) Uh-oh. You know, playing that COVID card. Look what they did to football. They blamed COVID to not play Ohio State.
1: And now look at him. This, this is a true Ohio State fan <laughs> on the radio calling out the Michigan Wolverines. This is what you people do. <laughs> Just going to mix it up on your show. I know. I'm not going to listen. Uh, I, 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 because I am a friend of the family of Roland from the Rochelle, <laughs> I do root for the Ohio State Buckeyes. So I'm not going to uh, bash uh, Michigan, but I'm not going to defend them either, Roland. <clears throat>
5: We appreciate your allegiance.
1: No problem. I know that. We look forward to having you and Gene back at the fire pit soon. That'd be great. And I know the Rogers family will root for South Carolina if they're on TV, so we have a two-way street here. Hell yeah. Let's go. Okay, Roland, thanks for the call. Great to talk to you, man. Thanks. Thanks so much. That's Roland from the Irish show. As you can see, a big Ohio State Buckeye fan. And it's a good time to be a Buckeye fan because their football team is great and their basketball team is great. All right, let's go to the next phone line. Good evening. Good
5: evening, Jim. Uh, this is Bill from Harrison. Hello, Bill you? from
1: Harrison. How are you?
5: Good. I'm calling about a team you wouldn't be speaking about if I wasn't calling in because they haven't been very good for a while, the Fordham Rams. I'm
1: What's so glad you called. I'm so glad you called about the Fordham Rams, Bill from Harrison, because I have wanted to talk about uh, Fordham. You know, it's a great university. Uh, right. it, it's a it's a, a beautiful campus. It turns out, so, you know, some... Tremendous people in the business world, in the legal world. It's a top-flight uh, school, and yet their basketball team can't get its act straight. It's been a failed uh, uh, coach come in after failed coach. Nobody can seem to get it right now at Fordham.
5: Yeah, when I was at Fordham in the late 80s, they were pretty good. You know, they, they made the NCAA tournament once, I think early 90s. They made the NIT tournament numerous times in the 80s. Um, it's been all downhill ever since. My sons go to Fordham now, and they go to maybe one basketball basketball game a year, if that. It's, it's, and I've been to more games than they have since they've been there, and it's very frustrating to watch them. I, I think they made a mistake uh, leaving the Patriot League before that they were in the MAC League, and they should have stayed in one of those leagues, but they're now in the Atlantic 10, and it's not doing them any good.
1: I agree. I think right now, with the team they have right now, because I saw them play St. Bonaventure, and they held their own in that game, I believe that the team they have right now uh, would be competitive in both the Patriot League and the MAC Conference. Uh, they'd be a 500 team at worst. They'd be a, a team that, if they get the right bunch, uh, they might be able to make an NCAA, NCAA tournament. i got to be honest with you. Unless something dramatic happens at Fordham uh, with some great recruits and some great coaches that turn it all, all around, they're never going to win the Atlantic 10. The Atlantic 10 is really good. There's some really good basketball programs. Dayton, St. Louis. VCU, Saint Bonaventure. I mean, these teams are NCAA tournament level teams.
5: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think they beat Dayton by one. That's their only win so far this year. But yeah, I agree. It's it's frustrating to watch. Uh, You know, they've tried bringing in coaches who are, you know, they brought in a guy who used to coach the Pistons, uh, and that didn't work out. They've tried to bring in coaches who could recruit. That didn't work out. I think, you know, they're a great university academically. They're top notch, but they don't put the resources into the athletic program. And I love their gym, but it only seats 3,200 people. they got to do something about that gym. they got to make it more alluring to the recruits.
1: No question. No question. It's a, it's a real issue for Fordham. Fordham, I think, has to have some soul-searching, Bill. I think that the athletic department and the boosters and the board of directors, or I guess they call it the board of trustees, whatever it is, they really need to sit down and say, where are we going to go with our sports program uh, in particular, men's basketball, because it's a sport being a New York City school that not only should be good, they have been good historically over the last 50 years. There's been a lot of great Fordham teams, uh, that famous Digger Phelps team that, that he took to the NCAA tournament in the early 70s. Fordham, I do think uh, with the right coach, uh, maybe can turn it around, but uh, if a, they're going to have to have everything go right for them to turn it around.
5: I think you're right. I mean, they they were a great athletic program back in in the 1940s and 50s, long before my time. Um, You know, I think they were the first televised NCAA game. I remember someone telling me that in in 1940. So way back when they were a top-notch program. And, you know, I don't know if there was less competition then, but nowadays they're just, you know, it's great academically, great university. I'm glad my sons went there and all, but they got to do something about their athletic program because other schools that have addressed their athletic program – became better academically as well as a result because they recruited better quality students.
1: I was right. looking at an article the other day that said that one of the schools that's moving up the charts most in the college rankings is Alabama. Why? Because they got a great football team and a great basketball team. A lot of kids <laughs> want to go there. I and mean, look
5: at what went over. They won the NCAAs and they skyrocketed academically after that. No you know, question. And the, and
1: the other famous story was in the 1980s when Doug Flutie made Boston College a top national team. Uh, you could no longer get into Boston College after that.
5: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think
1: one of my sons got waitlisted there. <laughs> All right. Well, you should have called. You should have called Mitch, who called the show early from BC. Maybe he could have helped your son back then. Uh, That's right. I'm happy with Fordham. Great, great school. Fordham. <laughs> look, BC's a great school. Fordham's a great school, and they're both yep. Jesuit, right? Yep, both Jesuit.
5: Man, fine tradition.
1: <laughs> right, great tradition. So, uh, Bill, uh, do you ever hear like from other alumni people that are connected, maybe uh, in the uh, Fordham? Uh, alumni network about kind of pushing the school to take action about the poor basketball program. Is that something alumni yeah. chat about?
5: They do. And my, uh, my son's orthopedist, it was actually the Fordham, uh, athletic coach and a doctor for, for many years. He played on the, on the 1971 basketball team. that went to the NCAA sweet 16, I believe. And, you know, he's been talking about it for years too, that he wants to do something to address it. I'm not going to give you his name because I don't know if he wants me to. But, I mean, there are alumni out there that, you know, want the program to improve. uh, But it's a little frustrating because, you know, again, I don't think the resources are there. You know, the the dedication is there. They're more dedicated to academics, which I agree with wholeheartedly. But I think one could go hand-in-hand with the other. So, you know, I hope that they they see the light and and put a little bit more resources into the the athletic program.
1: All right, we'll say this. St. John's. And Seton Hall have similar type campuses to Fordham. Um, you know, inner city. You know, a, a big city, urban area. You know, kind of a landlocked college where they don't have a lot of room to grow. But Seton Hall and St. John still find a way to build a winning athletic program. Maybe the right coach can do it at Fordham, uh, but it just hasn't happened. yet. I thought Tom Pacora, when they hired him from Hofstra, was the right choice. He did a great job at Hofstra. And I kind of think he was slowly turning around for them, but they pulled the plug on him, I thought, too early, uh, rather than give him a chance to uh, kind of see it through.
5: Yeah, I remember him. I remember wh- why they pulled the plug. Because uh, they, they weren't to...
1: winning, but I felt like his recruiting was getting better, and they were about to win, and they fired him. I thought it was a boondoggle, frankly.
5: Listen, look, you see what? Pesino's going to turn around. Iona is going to bring him back to their heyday, I think. so. You see that. You get the right coach in the right circumstance, it could turn it around.
1: But, by the way, until the not the prior year, but before that, Iona was going to the NCAA tournament every year anyway. So I think Rick, Rick Patino is going to take a strong team and make them even better.
5: Oh, I agree. I'm excited. Yeah, my wife went to Iona, so I'm very excited. Well, I, when, Iona Iona Fordham, when, for when Iona plays them, I'll be sitting next to your wife.
1: When Iona plays them, I'll be sitting next to your wife rooting for Iona all the way with your wife.
5: Very good. I'm Uh, looking forward to it. (laughs) All right,
1: Bill from Harrison, thank you so much for calling the show. Please call again. All right, Jim. Pleasure. Thank you you so much. All right, that's Bill from Harrison. All right, folks, uh, I want to really thank all the callers. We had wall-to-wall callers for the show. Uh, It made it a lot of fun, I think, for everyone to hear different points of view from different callers, asking questions, adding commentary. Uh, It was kind of fun to have a call-in show. Maybe we'll do this once a month. We'll have just a call-in show. We'll make it a tradition. Uh, We'll have three guests, and the other uh, show each month will be uh, an open line show where people can just call in and talk about whatever they want. All right. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Um, uh, Tonight, there's a couple of ball games on tonight if you want to check them out. Uh, I think the game of the night to check out is Syracuse at Virginia, Texas Tech at West Virginia. There's two games to look at tonight. All right. I'm Jim Masano. That's the music saying the show is over. I appreciate everybody who tuned in. I appreciate everybody that called. We'll be back on College Hoops Chat next week. Bye-bye now.